I didn't listen because I'm unprofessional, but I trust you to take the lead. And the home of the Talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And we've got a show for you. We have got a great show, dare I say, a great show. Yes, I'll say it one more time a great show on deck for you. And why am I so confident? Well, you'll just have to listen and find out. But trust me, it's a great show. So, uh, how are you, James? I'm doing okay, thank you. And I agree, it is going to be a great show. We're not going to disappoint you tonight, we guarantee it. Yes, I guarantee. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was one of those TV chefs, right? The um, Paul Proudhon, I believe his name uh, was. Was that the, the, the Galloping Gourmet? No, that was somebody else. That was somebody. Uh, uh, the Galloping Gourmet who then went on to become the frugal gourmet, which is how I knew him on PBS. Ah. But no, I think that uh, guarantee guy was uh, was a, a different chef, a, sh- a chef of a different color. As yes, it were. but he looked like Dom DeLuise. I yeah, believe. I remember that. Yeah, what was yeah, his yeah. name? I mean, you, I you told me what Perdone, his name yeah. was, but yeah. what was his show? Uh, it wasn't something about the, New Orleans or something? Yeah, it wasn't I the Cajun know. guy. Yeah, that's not a thing. I don't know. I'm going to Google it. In the meantime, James, how have you been? How has your week treated you? I've been okay, thank you. Um, It was fun playing deck last week, and that was good. Want to play some more? Other than that, okay. Can't really complain. How about yourself? I was fortunate enough to be able to play some deck hockey with uh, you, as I recall. In fact, I was able to play deck hockey with you over this past weekend, and I had quite... Quite a lot of fun. As I think we all did, too. It was really three really good games, close games, and well-matched games as well. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I would have preferred to be on the winning end of a couple more of those. But nevertheless, it was uh, well-contested games, and, you know, I was very happy to take part in them, regardless of how they ultimately uh, may have ended. Yeah, and the miracle of miracles is that we actually played and started relatively on time and ended on time too because i had somewhere else to be afterwards and uh, how dare i not devote the whole day to deck hockey but apologies yes Sundays how are dare tough. you james yeah. <laughs> do you think your uh your your social calendar is more important than deck hockey yeah it was well it was christmas time and it was family related so that's the excuse <laughs> all right well you know i'm Look, I was very happy to have had the opportunity to play with you regardless of when you had to start and stop and how long we were able to do it. It was a good time. How has your week been outside of the hockey sphere? 
Well, actually, because we had so much fun and, and it's fun watching the NHL, too, in the interim, by the way, our favorite team is playing pretty well, as well as uh, all the tri-state area teams are, the Devils and, and Islanders included. But I want to practice and, you know, I've been stick handling and stuff indoors and things like that, but I want to get outside and play. So things get in the way, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you know what? That is unfortunate. But I think, like they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So Mm -hmm. I think the, you know, it's like it's like holidays, like, uh, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and and what have you. It's, It's the fact that you don't get to do it all the time makes you savor those times when you do get to do it that much more. So true. Yeah, but I'm, one good thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was just, I'm, I'm trying to put some kind of uh, positive silver lining esque spin on it. So, but please. Yes. And then what's you already the have thing, James, the, uh, I, I have to thank you so much officially on air for doing an excellent job. You went through the trouble of getting really sharp-looking professional business cards for us for the podcast. And uh, just staring at those things and and looking at how much work and effort and how great they came out. And I appreciate it so much. And thank you for that. So that has softened the blow of not playing. But as we do with this podcast, the next best thing is to talk deck hockey. So thank you so, so very much for those awesome, very slick business cards well you're you're quite welcome use them in good health as i I told you um i feel like we put a lot of work into this podcast and i just want us to be well represented so i hope you know you enjoy them and if you the listener are ever uh you know ever cross our path and you are interested in receiving one of our business cards because we're very important people Mm -hmm. uh the type of people that have business cards you know, you feel free to just just, just uh, say, hey, can I get one of them cards? And maybe if you're very lucky, maybe we will grace you with one. And stickers, too. Yeah. Well, you know, you can the stickers like you can always get a sticker. <laughs> We're like <laughs> uh, the doctor or something. You know, if you're very good, we'll give you a sticker. Well, much appreciated. So thank you very much. Apparently, um, Chef Paul Prudhomme had several cooking shows. Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Tastes, Fiery Foods, Fork in the Road, and <clears throat> Chef Paul Prudhomme's Always Cooking. Okay. Well, good thing this isn't a podcast about cooking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, if it was, it would be much less informative and probably less entertaining. I guarantee. Nice. <laughs> good job. Fortunately, this is a podcast about hockey, and we do have some hockey-themed content to share with you, which uh, I think we can all agree is what we're here for. So with that being said, James, what do you say we jump into our very special starting lineup for this podcast? Yeah? Sounds good, sir. All right. And for tonight's starting lineup in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey, and of course, my co-host... On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi, and joining us tonight... From the great white north of Canada, relocated to Columbus, Ohio, number 30, in goal, Tony Bonner. Welcome, Tony. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. And Tony, I'm sorry, I'm going to just ask you to hold on for just a minute while we get to the formal business of this podcast... You know, the wheels must turn, and even you cannot stop us from observing the formalities. And in this case, said formality is begging 
you, James, can you please see it in your heart to tell us what is on deck for this podcast? Would be happy to. Thank you. More from our friends at the CDHA. As you heard, special guest Mr. Tony Bonner, goaltender of the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, joins us to talk street hockey, ball hockey, hockey and sneakers, and ACDK. Speaking of excellent deck hockey leagues, the Brigantine Hockey League, just next door to Atlantic City, is definitely one of them. The American Rhino and I will tell you all about it, thanks to an article written by Ray Schwabert of the Beachcomber. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. That was abrupt, um, but we do have a lot of ground to cover. So let's get right into it, okay? So yeah, and on behalf of Gary, and again, thank you so much for joining us, Tony. Uh, hopefully this will be as much fun for you as it is for us. And uh, so to uh, get right into it, as uh, Jeremy told us, Jeremy Laws, who was a guest of our podcast a couple of hit the decks ago of the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, he introduced us to Tony. And uh, he gave us a heads up that uh, you grew up in Nova Scotia and Fredericton, Canada, which are both just east of Maine, USA, if people aren't familiar out there. And uh, Gary and I know that Fredericton is the birthplace of NHL hero Willie O'Ree and supported a couple of different AHL teams. Is Nova Scotia also a hockey haven? And if you wouldn't mind, just give us a brief summary of how you grew up and got into hockey and so on and so forth, favorite teams and players. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Nova Scotia is definitely a hockey hotbed. For those who don't know, I'm from a little island part of Nova Scotia called Cape Breton, and one of the more well-known Cape Breton hockey players that have played in the NHL, dating back a few years, well, maybe more than a few years, Al McGinnis. Yeah, he's from Port Hood, Nova Scotia, which is uh, probably about two hours from my hometown. Obviously, you know, anybody who knows about the slap shot knows that Al McGinnis, for a long time, held the hardest shot in the NHL. Sure, absolutely. Um, I had the privilege of actually being coached by Al McGinnis's brother, as well as playing with Al's nephew. And, and again, it, when you're on a small enough island like Cape Breton and there's some NHL talent, you tend to grow up around that kind of talent and and it's it's very very home rooted and uh so yeah it was good going up in that respect as far as my hockey background goes like any true canadian born and bred we grew up wanting to play the sport and loving the sport first stick i picked up was a player stick got thrown into novice absolutely hated anything to do with skating around that ice uh, <laughs> Before actually getting dice hockey, grew up playing on the street like any other Canadian born and bred and was always in net. I, for some strange reason, absolutely loved having projectiles shot at me. So, but of course, uh, as, as Gary can probably attest to, equipment isn't exactly cheap, nor was it back then. Dating myself, I am 39 years of age. So even back then it was, uh, it was expensive. So my parents were, no, you're not going to be a goaltender. <laughs> okay, fine. I still want to play hockey. Played hockey for two years of playing as a forward until one season, again, signed up as a forward. The equipment thing was just not going to manifest itself. And a coach knew that I loved playing net. Also knew that our hometown hockey was missing a goalie, as we only had three teams at the time. Only two goaltenders had signed up knew that the league had some gear available to those who wanted to try the position. Oh. And after being drafted, called my parents and said, yep, Tony's been drafted, he's on this team, and he's their goalie. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> to their shock, <laughs> to my elatement, I got to go to the arena, go to a dirty old room, dig out some old crusty brown pads, which I absolutely loved because it was goalie equipment. Mm. And thus, thus began my goaltending career, if you will. That's a great story. And, you know, I think it illustrates something that I've often held about the goalie position. You have to like you have to just be uniquely passionate about wanting to do it. You know, you, it's not just, oh, okay, somebody has to stand in front of the puck. I guess I'll do it. You have to want, you know, something has to be a little weird in the head where you want to be that guy that's standing in front. You have to have that drive to do it. So, it, you know, it sounds like even before you knew exactly what you were signing up for, you wanted to do that position, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. And besides that, it's got really cool gear. Yeah, that's true. That's true. As, as my wife will unfortunately attest, it has a lot of really cool gear. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, Tony, I wanted to go back just for a second and ask you about, you said you were trained by Al McGinnis's brother. So I wanted to ask, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of, in, across all sports a lot of times you get these kind of and i hesitate to use the word celebrity but you know you have famous players and what have you and i guess they have sometimes they open up schools like with their family name on it but it's not necessarily the player that's doing it so mm -hmm. is it like did you sign up for uh to, to be taught by al mcginnis's brother because he was al mcginnis's brother or did it just so happen that he was the one that was teaching the school that was most conducive to where you were so yeah great question what it actually ended up being was our our island off cape breton was divided into three or four different regions as far as minor hockey goes mm -hmm. and i at different levels of play they were selecting what we'll deem as we'll call it an all-star team Mm -hmm. to represent Cape Breton Island, to go away to a tournament in Montreal, Quebec. Okay. Well, I was on the very eastern part of the island, and Al's brother and nephew were on the western part of the island. Well, Al's nephew had made the team as well as I had made the team. Mm -hmm. And Al's brother had signed up to coach the team. So that's kind of the, the connection there. Oh, okay. So we, got, we were selected as an all-star group. We went away to Montreal four separate years as a group to go away and play this tournament. So, and Al's brother graduated from being just a parent to a child on the team, to being an assistant trainer, to being an assistant coach. So he kind of worked his way through the ranks there. And, you know, it, it was nice. It was nice having those connections. Don't get me wrong. Cause we go away to a town like Montreal where, you know, you've got the Montreal Canadians and you have an NHL player who has his connections that says, Hey, while you guys are in Montreal, how would you like to go see, an NHL playoff game. Sure. Well, absolutely. Twist We'd my arm a little bit. Why don't you? Yeah. So, you know, as a team, we got, we had connections like that where there were certain NHL players, uh, two other players that helped us get connections like that were um, Mike McPhee, which was also a, a former Montreal Canadian and uh, Bobby Smith, who again, older Montreal Canadians, but both were from Bobby Smith was actually from my hometown. Mike McPhee again from a couple hours away. So there's a lot of root area hockey players that came up through the systems there that knew and wanted to give back to players that were still trying to make that connection and 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 you know get to that point themselves and and be experienced to that. So it was kind of neat that way. But all right, um, yeah. So it wasn't a camp it, that I'm sorry. 
It wasn't yeah, a camp no. that you sought out. It was just, it happened to work out that way. Absolutely. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, that, that's some amazing talent to grow up with. And uh, also just, was this, when you were growing up, when you were 10 years old and, and were in goal, were, were these uh, ice hockey leagues or roller hockey leagues or was this deck hockey? Yeah, so from the time I was 10 until the time I was 19, I was almost fully a, an ice hockey goaltender. I grew up playing high-level competitive ice hockey right up until junior. And when I got to junior, I unfortunately took several concussions mm. that... My last concussion, I got the call to the doctor. He sat me down, said, you're done. Okay. Like for the year? No, no, you're done. Oh, so like till spring training? No, you're done. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and at that point in time, that's when my, my career, if you will, took a, took a turn because any 19 year old kid that's just been told that you're done playing hockey kind of uh, not to beat around the bush i went home i packed my gear i sold it and walked away from hockey for six years wow oh, wow um, yeah it was it was the biggest souring moment i'd ever experienced and and was done with it but up until that point it was ice hockey i was i was a six day a week 11 month a year ice hockey goaltender and played you know some competitive hockey so that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just to, to finish that. So, I, 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 as I mentioned, I took a, a six-year hiatus from hockey until a friend of mine who was playing some, some pickup gym-level ball hockey, mm. which is what we refer to it sure. up north, said, hey, do you want to come out and play some hockey? And thought, hey, you know what? Why not? I'll give it a shot again. So I strapped the pads back on was instantly hooked again and started playing ball hockey from there. So for the last 10 or so years, yeah, I've been I've been stopping a little orange ball instead of a little black puck. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and I have loved it ever since and honestly haven't had the inclination to strap the skates back on because I had this other fulfillment and uh, the benefit for myself was that it was less impactful as far as head shots go sure. than puck would be. So my concussion history wasn't a factor in letting me play this game. Do you still wear a uh, like a professional grade mask or have you downsized to like a, a more ball hockey rated mask? No. Um, originally, I had started out, I guess, if you will, with a ball hockey mask. It was a higher end ball hockey mask. Sure. But the levels that I've started playing have deemed it so that even at the ball, I've gone to, I've got a, a Kevlar fiberglass mask that I wear. Nice. Um, it's, I wear, an, it's an older style mask okay. um, just because I don't need to invest $900, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a vintage goalie is what I like to refer to myself as. So vintage stuff is my favorite stuff to look for. The mask I have, and Gary, you, this may ring a bell, it may not. Okay. It was a, ma- they're a mask maker called Van Velden. Uh, it's an, one of the first molded masks that were put on the market. Oh, wow. He, the designer of the mask went on to design masks for Coho and some of the larger manufacturers, Mm but yeah, so it was one of those first masks that when, when helmet styles stopped becoming available and these new molded masks were being put into minor hockey, they were certified masks. So back then it was probably worth quite a penny. I scored it for probably $75 off nice. a, off of a yard sale site someplace. Sure, sure, sure. 
Yeah, I'm actually a bit of a, a novice in terms of hockey, playing hockey of any kind, honestly. I only started playing about four years ago. So I, you know, I I don't nearly have your pedigree. And it's, you know, it's still a learning process. I, I jumped in with both feet and I'm happy to to do it. I love it. But it's, um, yeah, you, you, I definitely defer to your experience on, uh, you know, the the evolution of gear and, and such. Yeah. What did, speaking of gear, how did you find your gear set when you started picking up the ball hockey, since you mentioned you sold all your old stuff? Yeah, started off with really low-end stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you could find. Yeah. Luckily, a lot of the pickup leagues that we have in Canada, you know, the gyms have a set of equipment. I started okay. off just wearing, you know, it was ball hockey to me. What do you mean? Is you know, I've played gym hockey before. Yeah. I'm going to strap a set of pads on. I'm going to pick up a pair of gloves. What do I need a chest protector, pants, helmet? What do I need those <laughs> things for? Just a ball. Yeah. Soon as, and again, as the levels increased, began to realize that no, this thing hurts. Yeah. And I don't like the welts it leaves. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, with all of the things like eBay and there are so many goalie websites on, on the internet these days mm-hmm. and the internet has made things so much more accessible. And I wish we would have had things like that when I was a kid playing minor hockey and ice hockey, because just to be able to go out and get equipment, it's so much easier. Now I started, uh, let's go with acquiring equipment. My wife will attest to the same thing. Yours probably does Gary <laughs> that, you know, this stuff does collect itself. And, and as much as I love my equipment, I love equipment in general and always I'm looking for something new and something different. Yeah. Um, I have, I have a couple of gear set, like full gear sets, just, just in case, you know, and and my wife's like, why do you need this stuff? Well, and that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. I want it. There's a difference, (laughs) but (laughs) so yeah. um, So I started acquiring and, and, you know, as pieces, I deemed wore out. Mm. Um, I'd look for something a, a little bit more suitable for me and a little bit more high end. And I'm currently wearing a set of CCM eFlex two goalie pads. I've got as um, we speak, you know, some, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, right now, if, uh, what do you mean? You don't wear yours. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought, I thought I was the only one. I didn't realize I was. Oh, no, no, absolutely <laughs> okay. not. I mean, <laughs> I have my own little room. No. Sure. Um, <laughs> got a little crease painted on the floor, you know? Yeah. Don't judge. <laughs> uh, and lucky enough, you know, I've got some friends too, that have been able to, to get me some equipment deals. A friend of mine is the current equipment manager for the New Jersey Devils. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he was the equipment manager for the Iowa Wild, the Minnesota Wilds farm team. Mm -hmm. And he owns a used sporting shop in one of the towns that I played ball hockey in. Long story short, I got a really beautiful set of TPS goalie gloves, barely broken in. At the time, I think I may have paid $100 Canadian for them, which I think is like $10 American. Oh, my God. so yeah no it was it, sometimes it's the right place right time but a lot of the times i do a lot of hunting online and pr- could probably put together four sets of equipment right now if i yeah. wanted to or had the extra money laying around that my wife would let me spend <laughs> sure <laughs> i'm glad tony and gary are new best friends right now that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> fascinating stuff so yeah so we uh we got question two out of the way again you, you kind of delved into this with with the first question but 
Specifically, what were your reasons for choosing to play goal as your primary position? You did say that you weren't a fan of skating around and things like that, but uh, any other reasons and besides having projectiles, as you said, thrown at you? I mean, I want to say it was the equipment for the most part uh, as a kid. You know, it's really cool equipment. Um, you grew up, I grew up idolizing goaltenders like Grant Fjord and, you know, to a lesser extent at the time, you know, there was the Patrick Waz of the league, then graduating into some of the more, more mainstream goaltenders as they came up. But yeah, I, a lot of it was just, that's the position for some reason that I started playing street hockey. And once you get hooked, you're hooked. And as Gary mentioned, you know, it's, it's a different breed. There's some people that don't ever want to try it and I don't blame them. But for me, once I was the guy when we were playing in minus, you know, 10 degrees Fahrenheit weather in Canada <laughs> outside with a frozen ball, I wanted to, I wanted to be the guy. I wanted to have the gear on and as much as it hurt and as much as I, and no one else wanted to do it. I wanted to be that guy and continue to this day. This past Sunday, I played for three and a half hours straight. Oh boy! Jeez. I played. I played two hours with one group, and then an hour and a half after that with the, with a different group. Never had the equipment off. There have been times where I have had full day long tournaments where I've had the equipment off once. I just I love it, and you know that combined with the love of the sport, just it, it to this day I'm still that same kid that is on the street going, yeah, let's keep playing. What do you mean it's dark? Let's keep playing, and uh, yeah, so. For sure. It was just, I got hooked on the position and, and continue to love the position. Yeah. James and I played in a tournament earlier this year and we had a break between games. And I think I, I took off my mask and my chest protector and like we walked down to where the public bathrooms were a few blocks away and I still had my pads on. <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. you know, why, why take them off? It's, you know, it's such yep. a hassle putting them on. You just mm-hmm. leave them on. <sighs> yep. Yeah. No, that's. I understand very well. I don't know that there are a lot of people who would, but I definitely get you, get where you're coming from. Yep. James has often said that he he's not one of those people that would want to get in goal. I'm telling you, James, you, you're already willing to take the punishment. You should just try it one day. No, I, I did try it once many years ago when I was playing roller hockey as a as a youngster. And by the way, I'm 39 years old too, uh, Tony. And yeah, I have equipment that's literally older than most of the kids that we play with in our league, by the way. But uh, so I can relate to you on that as well, like Cooper things and yeah. uh, Titan brand stuff that, that don't exist anymore. But um, anyhow, yeah, I did try playing goal once and God bless you guys. I don't know how you do it. And uh, I saw the puck coming. The guys were telling me where they were going to shoot, how they were going to shoot. And I still could not move my limbs quick enough to stop the puck. So you guys are godsends and we love you and appreciate you. So keep up the great work and goal there, fellas. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, Tony, um, that, that's awesome. Uh, you have so much experience growing up in Canada and, and representing the country so well. What made you uh, end up moving to Columbus, Ohio? Like most people would probably say in my position, work. I was off, uh, you know, I started doing some contract work for a company here in Columbus, uh, approximately actually just over a year ago now, back in November of last year. And it graduated to the point where early on in 2017, they said, how would you like to move to Columbus, Ohio? I thought, I guess, I mean, I've never thought about moving that far away before, but I'm willing to give it a shot. So they flew my family and I down for a week. And <laughs> the ongoing joke that I tell people is we came down to Columbus just before Easter just before the Easter weekend of 2017. 
and I had just left two back-to-back snowfalls, each of 36 inches oh. totaling, so six feet of snow in, in approximately a week in Canada, and came down to Columbus to green grass and dandelions and went, huh, I could get used to this. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, the, we, we spent a week here, went back, and, you know, it's been a process ever since, trying to fully locate here to Columbus. But uh, yeah, we're here now and, and, and adjusting. So it's a new adventure. Fantastic. So yeah, I mean, you haven't been there very long. So how long have you been a member of the Columbus Deck Hockey Association? So back, I, sp- I came down myself back in June. Uh, I spent most of the summer here off and on. When I was here in the summer, I found a couple groups. I, actually, the, just the roller hockey groups at first is what I found. They play out of the same outdoor facility that the Columbus Deck Hockey does. I'm uh, The first thing I did when I knew that I was coming to a new city was, okay, let's find hockey because, right. again, it's, you know, it's, it's what, I, what I do. And specifically, of course, ball hockey. And I knew that the Americans called it deck hockey in some places. Some yeah. do call it deck hockey, but we, as we encountered with the previous interview, some have never heard it called uh, of deck hockey. So the, a lot, there are a lot of places that just know it as ball hockey as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, we'll touch on this probably later, but it's actually two sets of different rules. Hmm. And I didn't know that until, until actually Jeremy um, posted a difference between the two ball hockey versus deck hockey rules. Um, so yeah, getting back, I found, I searched out some groups, found a couple groups that, uh, played roller hockey or pickup hockey, outdoor hockey. They were kind they're both their roller hockey groups are kind enough to let the goaltenders play in sneakers. So we don't have to, if we don't want to put the rollerblades on. Mm-hmm. So I didn't at first and was on in a league off and on throughout the summer at, uh, at another facility, Dodge park, which is a full size arena. Mm. or full-size outdoor court, I guess, if you will, and plus playing pickup at the Tuttle court where Jeremy and his group play. Had to, over the course of those three months, played a lot of hockey with them, those two groups. Ended up having going back to Canada for a couple months. And then when I came back this time around, back towards the first part of November, sought out Jeremy's group because I knew that they were looking to build their organization. And absolutely 100% support that just because of how much I was involved with it in Canada and reached out to him and said, Hey, does your group need another keeper? And he was like, yeah, we absolutely would love to have somebody else come and play net full time. Uh, here's our times and here's when we play. And I've been out two or three times now with them and, and yeah, it's a fantastic time. So that sounds great. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, uh, it's amazing how someone who loves hockey so much as yourself, Tony, and something that Gary and I can relate to as well, ended up going to Columbus where it's, it's a wonderful hockey town there too. So of all the places that you could have ended up with in the States, that's one of the best to be. So good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Jeremy also told us that the Columbus Deck Hockey Association is working to get back indoors as uh, you just mentioned too before, Tony. From what Gary and I can tell, the outdoor rink looks like an ideal place to play. Now this is kind of a two-part question. So bear with me, please, Tony. So Absolutely. the first part, yeah, the first part is, uh, were you in the league long enough to have played indoors the, uh, the CDHA? No, uh, I wasn't lucky enough to play at their indoor facility. I've seen video of their indoor facility. One of the, there's a YouTuber from Columbus here that I follow that has played at their indoor facility, plays roller hockey primarily. I play pickup hockey with him 
and I got to see some of the videos of it. It looked like a, a great facility, albeit probably run down, but was ideal for what they were using it for. So I wasn't around at that point in time. It's been gone about a year now, I think, is what they, they tell me. But so I've only played on two of their, I want to say, three or four outdoor facilities here in Columbus. Oh, wow. And uh, as of summer of next year, they will have a brand new facility built in uh, a town called Westerville, just northeast of Columbus, about 15 minutes or so. Um, It's a brand new facility that's going to be built. And we're hoping that we're going to get some time on that court as well, starting next summer. Yeah, fantastic. Best of luck with that. As we wish Jeremy the, the, the same as well. That that, that would be mm-hmm. fantastic. Okay, so got that. So from your point of view, especially from a goalie's perspective, you prefer, and if you've had experience playing indoors besides ice, do you prefer playing in an outdoor rink or an indoor gym when you're playing uh, ball hockey? Yeah, so I've played on a lot of different surfaces. In Canada, my ball hockey experience is twofold. We have Uh, a summer arena league where we play in essentially arenas where the ice is taken out because in Canada they take the ice out in about April Hmm. until September, October-ish before they put it back in. So our arena leagues get to play in arenas, full-size ball hockey, five-on-five. So that's almost like a polished concrete floor. Ideally, you know, that's that's the floor I love to play on because I got a lot of slide. I played in gyms where we use hardwood. Again, great floors. I've played on... Uh, court type material similar to what the what the deck hockey courts are made of in a lot of areas like a sport court uh, a, uh yeah sport court there's a about two hours east of Fredericton in Moncton there's a sport court outdoor facility that I've played on and again loved it and then I've had the opportunity now to play in these outdoor facilities here in Columbus and both of them are top-notch facilities and Columbus does a great job of not only looking after them but just they're in great locations, easy to get to, and I really am hoping to get part of this so that we can promote it more, so that more and more people are using it. And I did listen to Jeremy's and your podcast on when he was on, mm-hmm. and just the different types of people that use the court. And again, it was my first introduction to things like bike polo. I was like, <laughs> "What are you guys doing? <laughs> we're going to use this and play bike polo. What's bike polo?" So you stay around, and you watch a little bit. There were kids there that used it for outdoor soccer. Uh, you know, it, it's like a half size court that they have there mm-hmm. compared to a, a full arena. And you, there's two four by six nets there and some meshing around and some lights. So yeah, let's kick a ball around. So it was, it's just great that one of the, and again, with the, the maintenance of it, the, when I first started playing there early in the summer, there were some in the, at the Tuttle park, there were some significant cracks in, in the court mm-hmm. and Columbus has since fixed those. They shut it down for a week and a half, came in, filled the cracks, redid the surface, and, and it's great. So it's an epoxy kind of surface. Both cool. surfaces are, which lends well to the yeah, roller sure. hockey because it's not as slick. And uh, But yeah, still great for running around on sneakers. And, and I like it. Now, Gary, I'm a bit of a gear, really big on gear guy. And <laughs> one of the things that I've done is I've actually modified my goalie pads okay. to be able to slide on all surfaces. I, uh, there's a company in Europe called Reason Why. Okay. And they are a ball hockey manufacturer. So they manufacture equipment specifically for ball hockey. Mm. And they have they have what's called slide plates for goalie pads. Yeah, I've so seen I Sure. No, I'm sorry to interrupt. I I've yeah. seen slide plates. Uh I I actually tried early on in my uh 
ball hockey career, I tried to make my own a couple of different times with limited success. And Same. so I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I kind of went away from him, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, when they worked and those times were few and far between, but when they really worked, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, the reason why one's, uh, you know, I invested a hundred dollars in the plates, okay. had them shipped to me, used two-sided carpet tape to put them on my pads and mm-hmm. they give me the exact slide I had on ice, which is fantastic on all surfaces, which is again, great. All right. I'll have um, to look into that. I, Thank you. I, I've seen your tough toe kind of epoxy shoe yep. video, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, kudos to you. Thank you. Uh, they make ball hockey shoes, too, if you're just... <laughs> I, I did not know that. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, no, um, expensive, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, they're on my list of things okay. I want. All right. I'm hoping Santa's watching this. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so as far as what court do I prefer... Uh, the one that I'm on, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. I, you know, I've played on asphalt right through to the polished concrete, and mm. they each have their pros and they each have their minuses. And for me, it's the love of the sport means I'm going to play almost anywhere I can play. So, yeah, I, I the courts here are fantastic. I'm looking forward to getting back indoors. As a update, we have we're test running an indoor facility for the Columbus Deck Hockey Association on the 17th, I think, of December. So, yeah, uh, we're looking forward to it, see what it looks like as far as an indoor facility. It can't stay this warm all the time. No. So, so yeah, we're looking forward to getting indoors and and giving that a shot. How big is that facility you're test running compared to the Um, the surface that you normally play on? So it's going to be a full-size basketball court is what I've been led to believe. Okay. So uh, that's typically in Canada our – winter league we'll call it we play indoors in a uh, in a gym facility such mm-hmm. as that as well so i think it's going to be good for probably a four on four okay scenario so yeah we're looking forward to that all right well good luck with that i hope it works out for you guys because it sounds like you know you, you have a really great thriving league there and you know obviously you would prefer to be able to continue that through the winter months so knock on wood mm-hmm. and thank you very much for checking out our uh, youtube page and and podcasts and stuff we appreciate that tony absolutely stop the presses actually this isn't a press that's a printing medium this is a recording so stop the recording that's not that doesn't roll off the tongue the same way the point is i want to halt the interview right here because we've done a lot of talking and we will continue to do a lot of talking to tony next week because we want to keep you all in rapt suspense. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so so we're going to whet your whistle with a, just a little promise that next week we'll have more with Tony Bonner. But until then, we have more different, varied deck hockey things to talk about. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was a little, but I don't uh, So... I, um, anyway, I don't know what my voice was doing there, but that notwithstanding, James, what is our next topic of discussion? So, yeah, we, we're just coming at you with both barrels loaded for the deck hockey stuff. Uh-huh. But there's a, uh, there's a little town just outside of Atlantic City down in South Jersey called Brigantine. And, uh, my father and I actually golf there every summer. And just found out recently that they have a deck hockey league there, 
and it's really thriving. They have presence on the uh, on Facebook. They have a Twitter account too, but really haven't used it very much yet anyway. But uh, it's a fascinating league and it's really come full circle in things and really em- encompasses the greatness that is deck hockey, as Tony was referring to before, and uh, more of that in the next podcast as well, how original deck hockey is and, and it's a great sport of itself. And they've really done a great job with that down in, uh, in Brigantine. Mm-hmm. So outside of Atlantic City, so that puts it in Jersey, uh, has Bruce Springsteen written a song about this place? And not that I know of, but uh, get you know, on that, I'm, Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you and uh, and Brad, you're you're the, you're the two big Springsteen fans, right? Of the LIQ, correct? Uh, uh, Brad and Mike, I think, are the the two biggest fans, okay. followed probably by Rob. I don't know if I'd put myself even in the top five, but I do appreciate Springsteen. Okay, fair enough. So. <laughs> We'll see what we could do. But the BHL, as it's also known, Brigantine Hockey League, it's a deck hockey league, but they just call it the BHL. It was founded in the early 70s to teach youngsters deck hockey specifically. And as we always talk about the benefits of deck hockey, they wanted to also teach the values of teamwork, perseverance, and above all, proper conduct when you win and when you lose, how to behave yourself. And as Gary always ends every podcast, don't be that guy. And that's one of the reasons not to be that guy is to learn how to be a gracious victor or, uh, you know, don't be a sore loser. Is this story um, depressing with uh, almost all hope gone, but maybe still a little glimmer of, uh, of a better tomorrow with just but for now the idea of soldiering on and doing the best you can with what you have? Yeah, I guess uh, the good thing about it, too, is that. When it started in the 70s, and we'll get to this a little bit farther into the conversation, is that the kids who grew up playing became fathers themselves. It's, it, there's boys and girls, by the way, but uh, the, 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 some of the men that uh, played when they were boys have their sons and daughters playing in the league now. So, yeah, it's kind of uh, – they, they put their money where their mouth is, and it does instill – not only great hockey lessons and, and skills to have, but how to live your life, how to be a decent human being. And uh, they, they seem to really be doing a good, good job with that. And they contribute to the community, too. It's full circle. They do it all. I'm just trying the to DHL. gauge the appropriateness of this as a Bruce Springsteen song. Um, yeah, I think is, Bruce would love it. Yeah. Okay. Do the, the sons grow up to resent the fact that they've basically grown up to be their fathers? No, not at all. It seems like they're in good hands and they have good quality men to look up to and, and emulate. All right. Well then maybe this wouldn't make a great Bruce song, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about the Brigantine league and not worry so much about what's on the jukebox. Okay. Uh, again, yeah, it's for boys and girls from ages five to 15 years old who live in Brigantine properly and therefore they're eligible, eligible to play in the league. And it's broken up into four divisions of ages five to six ages 7 to 9, 10 to 12, and then 13 to 15. Currently, there are 130 children playing in the league right now, and they are divided into teams by a draft system. Wow. Yeah, it's really very well done, and uh, they care about it, and they they think about it and put a lot of effort and love into it, and it really shows. This league is legit. Absolutely. No, I so, joke, but that's really a great system, especially I don't know what kind of area this is, but I'm sure like anywhere, 
there are people who are more advantaged and people who are less advantaged. And I imagine that the draft system goes a long way to kind of divvying up the talent so that it's not all you know clustered in uh, on one team or on a few teams and that the whole league stays competitive exactly right yeah also for their seasons there has to be a spring and summer league and fall as well because it just it's it, it, there must be because of, of the care and effort that they put into it but as of right now their current season runs from early december at the recording of this podcast, through late February. And then in late winter, the league competes with other leagues around South Jersey in tournaments, and they actually host their own tournament called the War at the Shore each March. And last year, nearly 40 teams competed in that uh, Brigantine tournament. That's pretty cool. I, I don't want to dismiss how cool that actually is, but I have to be honest, War at the Shore sounds like the name of some old, like, wrestling show in the south you know like some big annual event at the 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 alabama spectrum the war at the shore yeah i I guess um nobody's perfect but uh, for as great as this league is maybe they're not very good at naming things and i agree with you yeah sarcastically it sounds like a wcw event or something like that but uh, i always kind of resent when people use the word war when it's not talking about actual war because you know there's nothing pretty about it (laughs) whatever but war uh, huh good god y'all what is it good for not naming tournaments? Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but think anyway. there actually is an Alabama spectrum. I just kind of, I'm, I'm sorry to anybody who might be from Alabama. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I guess they just wanted something to rhyme with shore, but yeah. uh, that, that was the best they could come up with. But anyway, they had 40 teams and, and seemed to be a really big success. All right. Now, awesome. I, that, that really does sound very cool. Yeah. Also, as we were saying before, four of the five men on the volunteer board, they are all volunteers, by the way, the uh, volunteer board of directors played in the league as boys back in the 80s, actually. And they each have or have had children who play in the league now, as we were saying before, again, the full circle. Now it sounds like a Springsteen song. Oh, good. Okay. I I felt bad I disappointed you before. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, the BHL is a nonprofit organization, and as Gary was alluding to before, they raise funds to help pay for required gear in the league, such as helmets, face guards, sticks, gloves, pads, etc. And a quote from the article is, uh, much of what it raises through sign-up fees, special events, concession sales, donations, and corporate sponsorships also gets put back into the community. Last year, the league donated to the Brigantine School District's Stokes State Forest Educational Outing, the Marine Mammal Stranding Center, the Atlantic City High School Junior ROTC Program, the Fisher House Foundation through the Brigantine Polar Bears, and several others. You know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, and and even just now, a little while ago, with Tony, how expensive gear can be and how sometimes people just can't or won't pay for it. So the fact that they provide this stuff is, is really a great thing for growing the sport and I it's 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 just a great thing in general. So I applaud them for being able to do that and you know I applaud the sponsors that allow them to do that. So I I'm just going to good for you. Good for all of you. You're doing it the right way and I appreciate that. 
Absolutely. Amen. Also, they abide by the U.S. Deck Hockey Federation rules with an interesting twist. It's very windy in Brigantine, and my father and I can vouch for that, as I'm a horrible golfer, but uh, I have an extra excuse when we play down there is when the wind is swirling around, I just hit the ball and pray that it goes where it's supposed to, but it usually doesn't. (laughs) So they also switch sides in the middle of the third period at the six-minute mark, so I'm assuming that they're 12-minute uh, periods. One assumes. To make, yes, to make it as even as possible. So not only do they switch sides in each period, but in the middle of the third as well to make sure that each team has to deal with the wind in his or her face at any given time for the same amount of time. So well, they've, they've actually put that, uh, they, they really care. They've done that in the Winter Classic as well, I right. remember, when, you know, it was windy, inclement weather. And uh, so they, you know, they, they changed at the 10-minute mark in the third, so it was fair for both teams. Exactly right. So, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, is, that is sportsmanship of the highest order. I remember when we were playing in the rink in Tanahe Park this past spring and the ref didn't want to switch sides, yeah. even though like there was a huge hole at one end. <laughs> Come on, be fair. But uh, no, I, I guess, you know, laziness wins out over fairness sometimes. Yeah, they should definitely take a page from the BHL next year so we'll, we'll keep that in mind All so right. just a couple more points on the brigantine hockey league is that uh, at the recording of this podcast on december 17th mm-hmm. they will host the fourth annual elephants for autism hockey camp specifically for autistic children and that's how caring that these people are and using hockey as a vehicle to help children in need and uh, really bring them out of their shells and, and make them feel like normal kids and just have fun and enjoy themselves. And I find that really so touching and, and wonderful, especially during the Christmas season that they, and this is the fourth time that they're doing this and hopefully just the fourth of many, many, many more annual events to come. So they, they really have their hearts in the right place and, and good for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to diminish or make light of this in any way, but I do think that that's an oddly named tournament unless I, I mean I'm, I'm assuming one of the local teams is named the elephants otherwise this is a very odd thing yeah again I don't know what they're <laughs> where they come up with these names for tournaments and events and things like that but again uh, nobody's perfect but uh, I don't know the significance for elephants. Maybe we'll try and reach out and, and ask a representative from the Brigantine Hockey League to see what that's all about. But they have something called the Brigantine Polar Bears. So I don't know if that has something to do with, with the elephants or something like that. But yeah, either way, uh, maybe it's just a cute way to, to lighten the, uh, the load for something that's so important, I, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe or maybe this is what happened to the Ringling Brothers pachyderms after the ah. circus closed. That would make sense. Yeah, it's not too far. You know, South Jersey, Atlantic City, Mm -hmm. it's only a couple hours away from New York. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, for more information on the Brigantine Hockey League, please visit their Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash vintage BHL. Yes. And while you are checking links, we will have all of the uh, relevant links that were discussed in the interview with Tony earlier on our Facebook page. So you can check those out and maybe get you a good deal. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, Pops. So that being said, we're going to wrap up another 
episode of Hit the Deck, and we hope you enjoyed yourself, and we hope you will join us next week for the shocking conclusion of dun, dun, dun. our interview with Tony Bonner. I, I really, it's not, it didn't warrant the buildup that I gave it, but, uh, you know, I'm a melodramatic so-and-so. So, there we are. Thank you, Pops, for being the voice of the podcast. Thank you to Anthony Sajazi for music and the LIQ for sound effects. Thank you for listening. Thank you. A huge, huge, huge thank you to Tony Bonner for being on the podcast, for appearing and lending his vocal stylings to our little podcast here for class enough to join. We really appreciate it. And we, of course, always want to thank you for listening to said podcast. And we hope you will return next week for, as I said, the uh, conclusion of that interview and beyond for every episode and scrimmage of the Hit the Deck podcast. And if you'd like to be able to listen to every episode of Hit the Deck easily with minimal work on your part, subscribe. Please feel free to subscribe to this podcast. We would also appreciate it if you did. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean app, the Podbean app, which we've been pushing lately on the podcast. It really is a great way to listen to the podcast, and I recommend it, as does James. I'm recommending on your behalf. Is that okay, James? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, great. And so while you're subscribing to things, you know, while you have, while subscription mania is running wild, brother, please feel free to uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, Hit the Deck Podcast, and on uh, follow us on Twitter. Throw us a follow on Twitter at Hit the Deck Pod, or on Instagram or Facebook at Hit the Deck. You know, you just, just keep up with us. Because you never know what's going to come flying out of our podholes right at you. And you're, you're going to want to be on top of that, let me tell you. I don't know why, but, you know, there must be some appeal here somewhere. James, I am going wildly off the rails. Rescue me, please. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Thank you very much. And again, yes, thank you very much to Tony. And thank you for Jeremy for introducing us to Tony. Yes, yes. And thanks for listening, everybody, too. Appreciate it. Yes, indeed. So finally, with all that being said, I would urge you to remember that no matter whether you are a hockey transplant from the Great White North or whether you are a Springsteen-esque hockeyman from the great state of New Jersey. Really, whatever you happen to be doing, wherever you happen to find yourself, I would implore you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Sound like a uh, submarine. Maybe you can use some sonar to plumb the depths to find the quality of our podcast. (laughs) I know we have standards. They're down here somewhere. We'll find them eventually.